Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Ardo Ocal here with you every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your audio podcast as well as the NHL on ESPN, YouTube, emergency, emergency, full transparency, everybody. This is a re-recording. We actually had the podcast in the can for you, ready to go, ready to deploy. And then the news dropped that DJ Smith was fired as head coach of the Ottawa Senators. So we had to come back together to talk about the big news. So... Uh, DJ Smith gone as head coach, assistant coach Davis Payne also relieved of his duties. In comes Jacques Martin, former coach of the Senators, back in as head coach. And Daniel Alfredson, the legend, is in as assistant coach. Lots to dive into here, Wish. But my first question is, DJ Smith has been on the hot seat for a long time now. He has been the uh, popular the next coach fired pick yeah. for quite a while. So what do you make of the timing? Well, conventional wisdom was that he was going to last through the season, no matter what happened, because you had a new owner, you had an interim GM in Steve Steos. And so why would you fire a coach that the next GM was probably just going to fire anyway? But the problem for the senators is that uh, you had to get rid of him. He didn't. It's not that he didn't last to the summer. It's that he technically didn't even last to the winter. Arda, <laughs> right? The Senators, the Senators are are a weird team. I mean, I thought they were going to be the team that burst out of the bubble in the Atlantic Division. That ended up, I think, probably being Detroit instead. Um, Jason York, who you're going to hear from in a bit later, um, is you know covers the Senators. He said they're a team that plays like they're better than they are, and that makes a lot of sense when you watch this Ottawa team play. Um, you know, listen, DJ Smith got a raw deal in some cases, uh, you know, Thomas Shabbat's injury, the Shane Pinto suspension situation. But again, like this is a fourth coaching change we've had this season, Arda. And you can say that three of them track back to the same thing. Goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. The Ottawa Senators look to have one of the better tandems in the league in Corpus Allo and Forsberg. But instead, they're 28th overall in team save percentage this season. It was supposed to be an asset. It turned out to be a liability and ultimately helped spell the end of DJ Smith's tenure with the Senators. Had four full seasons as well as uh, this was the fifth season for DJ Smith. Finishes um, not having make, made the playoffs for the Ottawa Senators. Right. Uh, then in comes Jacques Martin, of course. Now, now, here's the interesting thing. Jacques Martin was brought in as an advisor to this <laughs> team, right? right. So... Yeah. Optically, one might come to the conclusion, well, we have Jacques Martin, this legendary coach that did so well with the Senators once upon a time. Things aren't going so well here. We're in the basement of the Eastern Conference. Why don't we just plug and play the guy we already have in the in-house? Right. Or optically, it's the it's the senior advisor going, ha, ha, I must advise you to fire the coach and name me the new one. You know, what do you make of the da Daniel Alfredson of it, of it all? Arna? That's the thing that really surprised me. Yes. And I'm happy about this. And I think a lot of senators fans will be happy about it as well, because we know the relationship between the two. It's repaired now. He's back. He's in the fold. And now he has a very official job. Um, first of all, I like the fact that uh, he's pursuing the coaching gig. So like you could per now that he's taking this assistant coaching job, assuming he does well, let's say he's given, you know, some offense, defense, power play, whatever it is, right? If he does well with what he's given, then all of a sudden people are already going to start thinking of, ooh, Alfie as a head coach one day, whatever the case may be, right? But he's beloved in that city. And yeah. so from that angle, I love seeing the legends of a team that played there for the majority of their careers come back in some capacity and fans were just happy he was back 
And now he's an assistant coach, which is even better. Well, then you hit the nail on the head on that, by the way, which is that, you know, this move, when I saw it in conjunction with the, with the Martin hiring, it, I mean, this, this feels like more fan service than a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Okay. Like you were there, you were trying to appease your, your customers. They're all very upset with how the team has gone. You give them Daniel Alfredson, their ears are going to perk up. Everyone's going to feel a little bit better about life. I saw his name commiserate with his, uh, 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 you know, uh, experience level as a coach. I said to myself, this is a franchise that is desperately trying to change the conversation and naming your one of your uh, iconic players in franchise history and assistant coach is a good way of doing that. So full transparency, uh, we're going to take you now to a conversation we had with Jason York. We recorded this before the news dropped, but we did ask about the Ottawa Senators and their current plight being at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, as well as a very pertinent topic in the NHL right now. Have a listen. The point there is, and I'm glad the kid isn't hurt, you know, a really good player, a young man in this league. But that's a problem in our league right now. We don't, our players in this league do not put enough emphasis on making sure you're protecting yourself from hits like that, making sure you absorb hits like that, because we've kind of tried to turn this league into a no-hit league. Jason is joining us now. He played in the NHL for 13 seasons, co-hosts of the Coming in Hot Sense podcast up in Ottawa. Uh, Jason, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is a hot topic right now. Uh, the idea of of these kind of hits in the NHL and just the overall vibe of hitting. Um, let's talk about the Pasternak play first. What did you see from that play? And, and do you think the uh, punishment was justified? Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, fellas. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. And, and it's it's weird because you got a guy like Pasta, who's a 50-goal scorer, and he's not typically a guy that's going in there trying to run guys over and hurt them. Mm. So it's it's to me, it's a, it's just kind of a play gone bad. And and you look at Lindgren, he's it's the perfect storm, right? He's reaching for a puck. And unless you've ever sat down a game ice level, people have no idea how fast decisions have to be made. And right there, Pasta makes a decision where he's going to go in and finish. And try and win and lose puck, and it's it's bad timing. I I, I think it should have been a board, um, but based on how the league's called, guys, now that's just what it is. So I'm not arguing the call. It's that's what's happening in today's NHL. But the reason it's happening is because we're now seeing the effect of players that have come up through a system where it's come full circle, where all these guys have grown up playing non-contact hockey till they're basically 15 years of age. And by the time you're 15 years old now, and and you probably had a million hours of dress rehearsals of going back for pucks, learning how to play, and you're just seeing guys that just, they don't expect it. And living here in Canada, fellas, if you watch an Ontario Hockey League game, which is the OHL, which is still one of the biggest breeding grounds for the National Hockey League, if you hit a guy too hard in that league, you could get a 20-game suspension. Wow. <laughs> so guys now, like guys are growing up almost... Imagine you're in your draft year and you miss 10 to 20 games. So you're mm -hmm. just not going to hit the guy. But unfortunately, when you get to the pros and there's so much on the line, um, and that's why it's kind of, it's weird because it's past to do in that play. Like if you're a fourth liner and you're going in on the four check and you don't do your assignment of taking out the D, mm -hmm. you might be sent down to the minors. So that's why you see it more in the NHL because there's so much more on the line. There's split second decisions that, that happen every single shift and sometimes they just go bad, but it's just, it's to me, it's a byproduct of players that have now grown up in an era where you're not taught to defend yourself 
until you're really 15, 16 years old. And then by then you've got so many bad habits ingrained in your game. It's really hard to, it's really hard to reverse what you've already learned. So one of the things that Tort said was that he believes the NHL has tried to turn its current product into the quote, no hit league. Um, how, <laughs> I how wouldn't much, go that uh, far. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, do you agree with him? And, and, and are no. there things that the NHL has done to help foster this moment where, yeah. you know, we're not seeing the same levels of checking that we used to see back in the day? Well, Greg, first of all, if you if you watch the NHL playoffs in the third round of the playoffs and you compare it to what's called in the regular season, you're watching two totally different games. <laughs> That's why playoff <laughs> hockey is so good. But the fact of the matter is, too, you as a player, your body can't play 82 games that way. You imagine if every game that in the season was played that way, you just can't. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. But I do agree with torts to some extent, but there's still big hits. There's still big plays. I just think guys now, too, guys are smart. Like, they use it as a tactic, too. Like, protect the puck, turn your body, turn your shield, yeah. turn your back. And and guys are taught that skill from, a, again, from a really young age, and they use it. And even guys, you'll see guys throw themselves into the boards, try and draw the penalty. But the, you see the, the rare time where you do that, and then, oh, shit, the guy actually did hit me hard. And, <laughs> and, and, and now I'm going to get a concussion. It's just... There's so many different things going on on the ice, guys. Guys trying to draw penalties, guys going hard, depending on who's trying to do the hit. But, you know, I love torts. Like, I, I what a story he is, eh? This year in Philadelphia, he's he's, uh, he's, re he's re reincarnated himself. But he is, right? But I wouldn't go. It's not a no-hit league, but it's it's getting close. <laughs> I, I, I will say I miss him at ESPN because he was a lot of fun to work oh. with. Hey, he was, he's, he's such a quote machine, isn't he? He yeah. was great when he was on here, when they had him on, on the panel with, uh, with James Duffy on TSN, like that's, that was classic television for torts there too. Uh, yeah. He's, he's torts is good for the game. I don't care what anybody says. He's oh, good agreed. for the game. Absolutely. Um, I, so you play, like you bookended essentially like such different eras of hockey, right. In your playing yes. career, like from the early nineties to essentially the, 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 that Oh four lockout. I'm yeah. curious, like, what we're seeing today, obviously compared to when you played, much different, or you know, yeah. the vibe is much different, et cetera. But is it just the product of the game is different, the vibe is different, the players are different? Like how much of this is hockey's just a different kind of game now? I think it's like all sports, guys. If 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 you watch the NFL now, like NFL purists will say, ah, you can't hit the quarterback anymore. It's just we're 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 trying to protect the star players. I understand that. We're trying to make it a more skillful game. They've added the three on three. They've added the shootouts. Like they're trying. It's a little bit of the basketball analogy that's coming to the NHL. Like when Batman came in, you could see him. You try and promote two or three players on every team. And those are your star players. And you market those guys. But it's just like, again, I, I, I go back to. Yeah, it has changed. Has it gotten better? Yeah, it, it is. The product's better. It's more skillful. But at the end of the day, to me. I'm not going to say my era was better. I just think playoff hockey, I don't know if you guys agree or not, playoff hockey, when guys are playing hard, when guys are finishing every hit, it's still the best product you'll ever see. So I just think we got to find a happy medium. Like it's gone a little too soft, mm -hmm. but I, I understand it. Um, but I'm not going to be that guy that says, back when I played, it was better hockey. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It like you go back to the dead puck era, Wiz, and you, and you watch – when Dallas won their cup, that wasn't better hockey that we're watching now. Like this is better. It's just, 
we've got to find a medium where you 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 can't let the physicality of the game leave you can't because that's still important well look jason as a devil's fan i disagree dead puck era was awesome uh it was fantastic <laughs> stuff. uh no, you, you're not a you're a devil's fan Oh yeah, well I grew up in Jersey, so yeah, I'm a Devils fan. So uh, so I, I I relish the dead puck era. The thing that you just said though is is something that I've really struggled with as somebody who grew up watching a different a different product basically. Like yeah. I, you know, whenever fighting comes up, for example, and the fighting thing, by the way, I think has a lot of shared DNA with the hitting thing, where yeah. kids now come up through these leagues where there's no fighting, they get to the NHL, and guess what? There's no longer any fighting, right? Even if there's yeah. been a slight uptick this season. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've had to come to grips with the idea that the sport and the league that I loved doesn't exist anymore. And that, you know, I, I can't bemoan that fact. I have to embrace the fact that it's something different. And watching my kid, for example, who's a Devils fan, find her entry point into hockey by watching Jack Hughes and, and knowing it's a league where Jack Hughes hopefully won't get annihilated every other yeah. night by hits yeah. is kind yeah. of a good thing. That's, that's where the product is. And that's what this generation of fans expects to see so from that perspective it does make sense but you the, th the point that i wanted to emphasize with, with what you said jason i find interesting is are we now seeing maybe the starkest delineation between what the product looks like for 82 games and what the product looks like in the postseason it's you're right yeah. it's almost two different leagues mm -hmm. what we yep. see for 82 games with these guys pacing themselves and not trying to you know get wrecked and 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 and, and you know be be physically uh, uh, sharp and attuned by the time the playoffs arrive, you compare that with what we see in the playoffs, and it truly is almost like two different sports, it feels like at times. 100%. Like, 100%. And, uh, you know, you, you just, you, you just to change for a little second there, I played against some of those Devils teams you're talking about, by the way, Greg. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh my God, Lyle Lodeline, Randy McKay, Ken Danico, Scott Stevens. Yeah. Um, tough tough teams to play against and yeah i'm sure if you talk to a guy like danico and a guy like stevens like would stevens be able to even play in today's league yeah he like, would because he'd, he'd be jason he'd be jacob truba like i've that question's come up a no, lot I, about I, stevens. I, no i i agree yeah, and i agree he was such, he played though all those guys played with the rules that they were given and so when it when you say to stevens you can hit a guy in the head he's going to hit a guy in the head but i think yep. he was yep. such a smart player that he would do what truba does today which is toe the line like understand where I, the hit needs to be delivered, where you're not going to get suspended. I I agree, but I Stevens hit like people don't understand that, that didn't watch that era. Like Truba hits hard. Yeah, it's not even it's not even close to how hard that Stevens was hitting. It's not even close. Like, there was so I, much velocity behind it. Oh yeah. my god, he he perfected the art of exploding through guys, and I saw it firsthand. Like it was, uh, um, <laughs> he'd be but, starting the most fights per hit in the NHL by god. far hey. today. I remember, I don't know if we were, I was in Ottawa once and we actually had uh, Andre Waugh. He was on the ice running around and he took a run at Scotty Niedemeyer and just destroyed him. And yeah. I happened to be on the ice at the time and New Jersey had Danico, McKay, Christoph Oliwa, <laughs> and Stevens. So two guys jump Andre Waugh and I'm sitting there looking around. All of a sudden, here comes Danico and I'm like, oh boy. And back then you had to, back then you had, back then you had to fight. You had no choice. So Dan and Dan, I'm like 190 at the time. Big Kenny is like 225. It's like, let's go kid. We're going. And I'm like, oh shit. Learned a, learned a valuable lesson though, boys. He's a lefty. And I grabbed him. All of a sudden I took two lefts right in the face, but that's what happened. Like if, if, if you hit a guy back then, you, you had to fight. Like it's, well, it, it, 
It's <laughs> you had no choice. Well, that, last one for last one for me, Jason, because that's a that's a really good point too, and that's something that Torts talked about. The the big hits have become so rare in today's game that yep. they're still answered with a fight like that that's wow. the response because they stick out so much because they aren't yes. commonplace anymore and that was one of the things that Tort said was like the idea of you know you you have having to have to fight after a big hit it was a problem when you played it's still a problem today it feels like no i would say the reason that fight happened because it was scott niedemeyer now right. you're now you're seeing fights when the guy in the fourth line gets hit too hard it's yeah. like uh, I've got a, okay. I watched a game the other day and I forget who it was, but it was like some guy barely got touched in the corner. Gloves came off because these young guys, they just they feel that, oh, I got to stick up for my teammate because I watched the game the other night where that happened. And it's just an it's a it's an epidemic of just guys doing it now because that they think that's the right thing to do. But the fight's really nothing. Anyhow, it's not like you're you're fighting Danico or Stevens or all right. or Randy McKay like no one's really getting hurt in these fights anymore. Uh, the podcast is called Coming In Hot. You can follow them on Twitter or X at Coming In Hot Sends. Jason, uh, please come back. Uh, lots of stories to share. It'll be a lot of fun to uh, reminisce as well. But thanks for joining us here on The Drop. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Take care. I see where they're coming from with how my comments sounded. So that's definitely tough. I mean, you know, I love playing here. I love playing in front of the fans. So... I mean, it's just tough, right? Like, you know, I love playing here, so it's just it's tough to hear the fans booing me there. Sorry. Number 25, Jordan Cairo. And you hear the cheers here tonight. You love these fans, don't you? That's uh, awesome. I love playing here. I love this rink. It was a great win by us tonight. Ah, yes, the roller coaster ride of emotions of being a hockey player and hockey fan. The cheers, the boos, they do come in waves, don't they? They certainly did for Jordan Cairo, as you just heard. But we really had an interesting stretch of yeah. fan reactions, not just Jordan Cairo, but John Tavares, who got his thousandth point against his former team, the Islanders, on Long Island, only for the Leafs to lose in overtime. The most Maple Leafs things to have thing to happen uh is def that you can write a better script uh but th definitely the relationship there between john Tavares and long island kyle dubas former general manager returning to toronto the yeah. fans chanting dubas as the leafs win Ooh, seven nothing uh yes so before we get to uh dissecting each individual thing i just overall what do you like this is not a new concept, but it seems like it's ramping up a lot lately. What what do we attribute that to? I mean, I, I, I listen. I don't think it's a it's a new thing. I do think we've had a few incidences in a row where it's been very interesting and and has been dissected. The Cairo thing in particular was fascinating in the sense that he kind of gave a no comment when asked about his relationship with his former coach Craig Craig Rube, who had just been fired, and then that no comment uh, about their relationship was then extrapolated by the fans to being something negative. And, and Kyra was having a bad season at that point, too. He's only had like five goals at that point. So I think the fans decided to boo him both because they thought it was kind of beat that he didn't come uh, clean with how he felt about his coach. And then also the fact that he hasn't really been good and was probably one of the reasons why his coach got fired. Um, so dissecting all these things has been interesting. But for me, Arda, like, look, at you know, it's no secret that I did not 
come to this job as a former professional player. Okay. I came to this job as a fan. I grew up going to the cheap seats at the Meadowlands with my dad, going to Devil Ranger games. And here's how I feel about booing. With the amount of money that you spend on a ticket, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> within the within the realm of good taste, you can act however you want and say whatever you want when you go to these games because you've earned the right, in my opinion, to express yourself in any manner in which you want. I, I the, the stuff about class, the stuff about this and that, hockey fans, what are we doing? Lectures on class as a hockey fan. You are passionately supporting your team at times you're you're passionately criticizing your team and you sure as hell do not need to give any respect to the opponent unless if it's extraordinary circumstances like Ovechkin breaking the Gretzky record level circumstances in my opinion how do you feel about booing I'm totally fine with it in fact it's encouraged in many situations you should boo the away team you should cheer the home team that's part of the fun of being a fan and like you said paying a ticket that is all part of the experience certainly there are situations where things go over the line i understand why people would call you know certain situations respect whatever the case may be but like like i here's a perfect example i love it when a player returns to their former team john, not john Tavares. that's a that's a different example i'm talking about like just to, just pick any norm like pick any at, uh, player that returns to their former team they get the video tribute they get the applause and the adulation from the crowd the crowd acknowledges in that That's moment hey thanks exactly for, right thanks Your for everything yeah. you've contributed to this team but then i also love that like soon after that player scores a goal and the fans are booing him you i nailed love it. it you nailed it there's that one oasis that these teams have created for acknowledgement of a previous relationship with a player in the team, uh, what have you. And, and then that's the moment in which you you break kayfabe and you celebrate the player for that moment. And then they go right back to being the enemy. That's exactly right. Now, in the Tavares case, yes, I just found, I, I, dude, we didn't talk about it really at the time because there's a lot going on, but I found it to be absolutely insane, the takes coming from Toronto about the class of the Islanders fans and, and, you know, lay down your arms for a moment and cheer this man as he reaches a career achievement. Dude, I was at Nassau Coliseum when he came back for the first time, they were running over his Jersey with cars in the parking lot. They were burning his Jersey as kindling in the parking lot, the deep seated animosity that exists between this fan base and this player. And you want them to just pause for a second to celebrate him getting a point on the tying goal of a game to send it into overtime for the road team? Are you out of your minds? What are we doing? How can we possibly expect that from sports fans? I, I Burning jerseys is the line for me. I think that's. I think it's more silly for the person burning the jersey, running over the jersey with a car. I'm also a little iffy on snakes on the ice, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, for those, for those who don't remember... When John, John Tavares obviously left the Islanders for the Leafs, there was a whole thing that the Islanders were convinced he was coming back. Then he goes and signs with his childhood team. And when he came back to the Nassau Coliseum, not only was there, you know, jerseys being run over, some used as kindling, uh, but also <laughs> the fact is that they threw rubber <laughs> snakes on the ice. Like it's Taylor Swift <laughs> on the reputation tour uh, to signify uh, <laughs> that John Tavares was in fact a traitor. It was so... It was one of my most memorable moments doing this job. I got to be but honest. But that's the thing. It's content. That's the it's, other thing. Like content, we, But it's also like a once in – like rare is the moment where you have that kind of, of, of relationship between a star player and a fan base go that far awry and the fans having a chance to react like they did. That seriously is like a – 
like a top 10 foot moment for me in covering games, the the amount of vitriol that was in the building. And I remember after the game, you know, the team talking about how offensive it was to John and this, that, the other thing. I'm like, dude, what do you want? What do you expect? I know these guys are humans. The Cairo thing was a great example of that. But at the end of the day, man, they're sports to sports. So let's let's generalize this. And by the way, Long Island was the perfect storm, like the perfect market for that to happen. Yeah, so yeah, um, exactly. let's generalize this. Okay. Uh, and uh, talk about each item, but thinking of it in general. And we would like boo. to determine yeah. to boo or not to boo in these general scenarios. So okay. uh, John Tavares, obviously the example here, a player returns after leaving as a free agent. So normally I'd say that's booing, but I think that's one art of where there's context. Like, did the player leave as a free agent because the team has a really horrible owner who's extremely cheap and didn't want to pay the player, so they left, right? Or did the player leave to, you know, go to greener pastures or go and play for the team un under whose uh, whose sheets he used to sleep as a child? Yeah. Uh, and and you know. I think the I think the context is important for that one, but overall, I'm I'm pretty okay with a fan base booing a free agent that left. Uh, number two is a general manager who left because he wanted more money and power than Brendan Shanahan was. This is very specific wish that <laughs> Brendan Shanahan was willing to give him. Comes back to his former city. You know, this really narrows it down. Really narrows it down to one guy. I mean, you didn't even put in a Sue Greyhounds reference here, but um. I thought it was funny. Here's, can I give you my honest takeaway from the Please. chants? Please. I was surprised that Maple Leafs fans chanted. Mm. Like, I'm surprised Why? that this happened in Toronto because normally the slight against the um, the Leafs home games is that it's all suits in the platinum seats ah. and there's no passion there and you barely hear the crowd. That's the knock against toronto uh home games so the fact that they were cheering like that and by the way they also waited until the score was seven nothing like <laughs> you know what i mean it's like at but, that but point arda arda if, arda if suits were going to chant against anybody wouldn't it be a former executive <laughs> oh naturally like it actually was on brand completely on brand Another i was surprised here's why i was surprised this one's a little tough one for me because i understand that you know basically dubas if you're to believe what we've all heard and 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 seen reported, priced himself out of a job and and kind of you know was sort of like I don't know if I want to do this or not. And then Shanahan took that personally, and we know the whole story there. Um, like if the Leafs win this year, ain't that Dubas's team? Like it, it, it wouldn't he get yeah, he, the lion's share? Doesn't of the he get a ring? Like wouldn't someone roster? send him a ring? That that I always thought about that with Iserman and the and the Lightning. Like if yeah. if you build a team and then you leave right before they win a Stanley Cup, like do you? Does the, does the team give you a courtesy and be like, hey, you deserve this ring. Like, your name won't go on the cup because you're not here. But, like, yeah. here's – here's Again, we, we're, we're expecting a level of sort of, like, insight and introspection from fans in that moment that we're never going to get. I think from a surface perspective of boy genius never delivered more than a, a playoff round victory and then decided he wanted to run the team. I think from that perspective, you can understand booing. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, number three, player refuses to address whether he had a good relationship with a just-fired coach. 
See, I'm okay with St. Louis's reaction in both instances. I'm okay with the fans being upset with the reaction from Jordan Cairo. Like you said, he's not having the best season. The fans are expecting more. And then you have a comment like that, which leads itself to, well, now we need to know the full story and people are going to be digging about it, et cetera. But then he has a great goal and the fans are um, back on his side. Like that was inevitable. It wasn't going to, they weren't going to be, this wasn't going to be a contentious or a, um, uh, a difficult relationship yeah. between these two entities forever, you no. know? So, so I'm okay with the flow of events here. What about you? I think you saw somebody who didn't realize he had become the main character that day. You know what I mean? Like he didn't realize that the, that the comment that he made or the no comment that he made had gone viral until a few hours before the game. He certainly had never heard that level of, of uh, jeering and, uh, and, and animosity from his home fans before which kind of tells you what kind of career he's had where he's never had to face that once. Um, I felt bad for him because at the end of the day, what is Jordan Cairo trying to do? He's trying to not trash the coach on the way out, right? So like by saying no comment, we all kind of know what that means vis-a-vis their relationship. But then obviously like the team's going bad. He's not playing well. The fans are going to kind of use him as a lightning rod for a lot of things. Um, is it good to boo him? I don't know, man. Like I, I felt like at the end of the day, he probably put it on himself because he just should have could have he probably should have just had the platitudes that he said after that game uh and said that to Jeremy Rutherford early before the game. He kind of put himself in the situation. So the booing is understandable, but ultimately at the end of the day, I mean he probably didn't deserve it. And Barube is a beloved coach among St. Louis fans. He brought the team a Stanley Cup, and Jordan Cairo is making a giant statement without making without saying the yeah. words. Yeah, so exactly. like that, that is also a part of that all. Um, okay. A fan fails a contest in the arena. <laughs> right. I believe there, first of all, wish I believe there is a Mendoza line of booing. So yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, booing. Boo. <laughs> loud boo. Everyone in the arena boos. Absolutely. Uh, acceptable. Okay. You I, suck. I, Anything I think, like like, hold like on. jeering, I, chirping. Again, first of all, I can only assume that you would include children into this if they fail. No, 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 no not kids. Not oh, kids. Oh, I'm okay. talking about adults. Adults that fail a contest at an arena. The only time let's, I want to boo somebody for failing a contest in an arena is if they answer a trivia question with an answer that is just terrible, like the player doesn't even play for the team kind of answer, or if you're doing the Scoro thing where you shoot the pucks from center ice and try to win a car. Um, there is a tradition at Devils games where if the puck doesn't make it all the way down the ice, then you can mm-hmm. boo the fan. And I think that is, in my mind, that is the most appropriate booing that you could do for a fan contest. If you do Scoro and you can't get the puck all the way down the ice, you deserve to get cheered for it. I'm more merciless than you. I believe that if you are signing up for the contest, you know everything <laughs> that comes with it, and therefore you should... For? Correct. You (laughs) should absolutely accept the possibility of being booed. A multi-platinum recording artist with a billion-dollar grossing internship. Wish you are on point with these today. A billion-dollar grossing international tour is dating one of the opposing team's best players and and is shown on the Jumbotron. Uh, yeah. So boo or no? This 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 was inspired. (laughs) By an actual thing that happened at the Patriots game on Sunday. Yes, yes. Taylor Swift was on the Jumbotron and fans in New England, again, the classiest sort, um, booed her for being on the Jumbotron and wearing a Chiefs hat. Um, 
you know what? As as much as we are uh, Kelsey Swifted out at this point, I think as a fan society, you don't boost. You don't boo girlfriends. You don't boo spouses. You don't boo families. Come on, what are we doing? I mean, and there have been some, you know, just situations where maybe boos are are a natural occurrence for some of the people that are shown on the jumbotron in that situation. But not Taylor Swift. Not not America's sweetheart. Not Times Person of the Year. Times person of the year. That is a good point. Uh, I think those boos had more to do with the fatigue of the story as opposed mm. to the person being at the game. That's right. my theory. Okay. That's I my like theory. It. My theory Numbers... is that it was a game near Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My theory is Massachusetts. Um, uh, number seven, the commissioner is handing out the Stanley Cup or announcing a draft pick, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think at this point, it's Gary great. Batman has embraced it. So it's so good. We just, and ne continue. never stop. Never stop never stopping, my fan friends. That you know, he whether you think he he's it's overboard or cliche at this point, you're right. It Batman getting booed is part of Batman as commissioner. It's been a tradition for decades. One exception, Arda. One exception. Um, if Gary Batman secures your city a franchise. And this happened, I think, in Winnipeg, if memory serves. They cheered him. And we were all like, what are you doing? Don't you know how hockey works? But like, yeah. if he secures your city a franchise, or in the case of like the Coyotes, has fought for the last 15 years to keep your franchise there, then I think it's okay to give the man a cheer or two when he's on the ice. But also, like, people are booing him in the, like, your home, say you're at game seven of the Stanley Cup final, your, your team wins. Yeah. It's a home game. So like uh -huh. everyone's cheering. Everyone's like, um, this is the greatest moment of their lives. And Gary Bettman gets on the ice. He's still getting booed mercilessly. Like sure. in that moment where your team is about to be presented the Stanley Cup, like the best thing that could possibly happen to your team. Yeah, and he's still getting booed in that moment. So like, and I, and I think you, what you said <laughs> is the most important point, which is that he's embraced it by now. Like it's part yeah, of the exactly. game. He leans into it. The, the Corey Schneider trade thing that we always reference in this show, you know, there's all these other moments where he seems like he's now, he understands it's part and parcel of his gig to be the lightning rod that gets booed or, or just for being Gary Bettman. I don't know, but uh, if if he took offense to it, maybe we feel a little bit differently. If he was like, my granddaughter is very upset. Like we would be thinking about it differently, but the man, understands no, it and in it. fact i think in some cases relishes it absolutely just like a heel in pro wrestling absolutely loves it uh the search for merch this is where we put out a call to all nhl teams the league any hockey adjacent brands that are doing some fun stuff with hockey apparel or merchandise to send it to us so that we can show it off uh the detroit red wings you did a really cool article about the gravy boat so around cool. american thanksgiving uh, shout out to our friend Ben oh, Broder, who heads over, um, who heads their marketing department with the Red Wings. Uh, I received a care package from the Detroit oh. Red Wings, and the first thing that I'll start with, actually, so here are the boxes. Um, okay. I will, I'll just unbox these. Uh, I, spoiler alert, I did take off the styrofoam because that would have been very boring to watch. Um, for those <laughs> not watching. a true unboxing video. Sorry to everybody yeah. watching on YouTube that's used to the the glory of an unboxing video. So this is what the gravy, the article you wrote, this is what the gravy boat looks like. The Zamboni is that plastic? Gravy boat. No, it's... It's porcelain? Yeah. Oh my very God, nice, I yeah, had no it's idea. very nicely done. This is actually I think I really might have cool. written that it was porcelain then forgot about it, but that is a, that is so dope. Yeah, and and cool. the thing of the Red, the Red Wings, that the Red Wings made me so happy when they said, we want to give these away at the pre-Thanksgiving game and have them be family keepsakes. And all I could think of was like, you know, an 86-year-old grandmother... <laughs> 
like being like, I love I it. secured this for you in 2023 when the Red Wings had a home game, and now it's your family's. <laughs> when, when Patrick Kane was with us for six months. <laughs> no, um, this is a Dominic Hasek. I love these goalie, like these capsules. So this what is, is a Dominic Hasek. It's a Dominic Hasek goalie capsule. You oh, can wow. see like the little uh, collectible stick and... Uh, yeah, so I, I like these because it's cool. It could put, it could stand on your, um, your. And, and for those who don't desk, know, on the drop, it's 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 canon that Dominic Kosciuk is the best goalie of all time. Do we agree on that? I just said it's canon. And I didn't even ask you if you agree on I, that. I, I I would agree. I think that I, it's funny coming from you, the New Jersey Devils Martin Brodeur fan. But yes, I do. I, do, uh, I, do I, I think Marty is greatly disrespected, and I think that he is more <laughs> than a systems goalie. But Dominic Kosciuk is Dominic Kosciuk is again to frame it in old guy reference, but also a current documentary reference. Dominic Hasek was the Barry Sanders of, of the NHL, like sure. the single greatest talent on some of the most mediocre teams. Yep. I'm glad that he uh, was able to find ultimate success at the end of the, uh, at a, in his NHL career. Uh, this is Thomas Holmstrom. Uh, he gets a bobblehead this year. I love that it's a uh, stick raise. He's very happy. Here is the back of this. And and by the way, for those that are curious, uh, these are the bobblehead themed nights. We talked about the Jake oh. Wallman gritty night, Jake which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, that is on January 21st. Alex DeBrinkett's getting a bobblehead on March 2nd. And Brendan Shanahan, March 16th. Not against Toronto, though. It's against the Buffalo Sabres. So, a team he uh, never played for. Uh, the Holmstrom one's great, for. but if you have a goalie bobblehead, by law, you have to place the Holmstrom bobblehead in front, directly in front Correct. of the goalie bobblehead. That's got to be this head. And the last thing I'm going to show you, <laughs> and I love this because I forgot about it. Uh, so this is a, um, a Mike Vernon mini mask goalie replica, but... Uh, the cool thing about his mask, if you recall, is the double wing. So yeah. like the the wing on one side, the wing on the other side. It's um, that was his mask design. I, I I like the look of that because we're so used to seeing it on one side, obviously. Yeah. But this is yeah. like the double wings. So yeah, uh, yeah. Shout out it, to it the put, Red Wings. This is really put cool. some respect on it. That's Hall of Famer Mike Vernon, quite inexplicably, but nonetheless true Hall of Famer Mike Vernon and Stanley Cup champion yeah. Mike Vernon. Right. Can't uh, so thanks to Ben and the entire Red Wings team. Uh, this is really cool. We'll be sure to uh, find some good homes for these fantastic items. Be that Before oh. we go, I just want to mention, it's Connor McDavid week, Arda. All yes, of Connor's is. games against the New York area teams, we have them on ESPN+. Plus. Um, and uh, it should be a fun time. Connor's Connor's adventures in New York. Uh, shout out to the Rangers who get to play McDavid after, right after he plays the, the uh, Devils, I believe is when it is, and gets them on the tail end. So good, good on the Rangers for continuing to get a friendly schedule this season. Yeah, so that's all on uh, ESPN Plus uh, and our family of networks. So that'll be a great time. McDavid in New York. Uh, and that does it for us here on The Drop. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, whether you wherever you get your podcast or the NHL on ESPN YouTube. Don't forget, we will be back on Thursday, and we will have special episodes for you yeah. uh, sprinkled in throughout the holidays. So yep. you can look forward gotta, to those episodes as well. well. Let's just call our shot. Winter Classic special coming up the week after Christmas, and then to start off the year, the biggest stories of 2020. What are we up to, four? 2024. Yeah in the National <laughs> Hockey League and hockey in general. It's less ominous when you have to ask in the middle of the year. <laughs> 2020, where are we again? I That's why I was never a professional announcer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, goodbye, everyone. See you next one. Bye.